Creating successful marketing content, whether for online consumption or other media, is often an afterthought for many time-strapped entrepreneurs and small business owners. It's often something that carries over from one to-do list to another. But get this. Up next is an expert marketer who says she can show us how to create a whole year's worth of marketing in five days. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and today's guest is Elizabeth Pampelon an international speaker, a successful entrepreneur, and an expert marketer with over 20 years of experience who also hosts the Absolute Marketing Podcast. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnt-out nonprofit directors to achieve success and freedom through her innovative Absolute Marketing process. Since she says she can explain how to create a year's worth of marketing content in five days, I don't want to waste another minute. So welcome to Business Confidential Now, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Well, this is really intriguing. Your claim of creating a whole year's worth of marketing content in five days sounds very ambitious. And I'm sure there's more than one listener out there right now who's thinking, yeah, right. Show me. So let's start. It's... (laughs) It's day one, okay? We're staring at a blank sheet of paper or a blank computer screen or whiteboard. What do we do first? Well, first, we have to really solidify your brand, really making sure that the visual representation that you have for your company is the right one and that the message that that visual representation is basically espousing is the right one as well. Sometimes we create logos, we do graphics, And then we choose colors and fonts that really actually don't represent us. And then they end up hurting us in the long run because other people don't resonate with that, the people who are in our ideal markets. That's the other thing. Do we actually know our ideal market? I've had several of my clients come to me and say, you know, I think these are my people. I I want to market to this group or that group. And then they actually don't end up marketing to that group because that's not actually their target market. Um, and their their products and services are being utilized by a totally different demographic. So um, I really try and make sure that the first day is spent entirely on branding. And this gives us a really solid foundation so that we can actually move forward into the other four days, which are where we're going to we're going to create most of the content. But when I sit down with somebody on a on a branding day or I tell someone how to to create their own branding day, I also tell them to make sure that they're creating their their logo, their colors, doing any tweaks they need to that really solidifying their message, which is that kind of 30-second pitch or 10-second pitch that they could write down, and then um, going ahead and making their business card so that everything matches, knowing their colors so that they can use that in their other collateral, and then also creating a really quick and short ebook that they can give away on their website when we move into that on, a, on the following day. Okay, you've, you've got me on this logo thing and the colors. Can you give me an example where you worked with somebody and the colors that they picked were like, mm, 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 no, no, it was all wrong for <laughs> yeah. what they were trying to do? Give me an example. So there was a health and wellness spa, and they were using a very bright Kelly green and a summer sunny yellow. And while you might think, well, green, health and wellness, you know, that kind of goes together. 
the colors they chose were very primary and very bright. And what we ended up going with for them was a light blue that was still vibrant, but really evoked more of a calm feeling, more of a, a water feeling. And that's what we ended up with that for them. And it made their business seem calmer, seem like something somebody would want be invited into rather than something that said health and wellness, like in your face and really shouted it. So changing the colors in that aspect was really helpful for them. Um, even changing the name. Sometimes I had a company that was using a, a very fancy, strange word that nobody would ever heard of and nobody could spell. And they were a company that decluttered houses and they ended up going with the declutter company. That's what they ended up becoming because their name before, no one understood what they did, but now their name made sense and their colors went with that. They made sure that their colors were, um, for that company, it was um, a, like a pale yellow and a red. And those were things that were like, hey, we're going to get this done. We're going to stop right now and take care of these things. So the colors do have meaning. And so I try to get people to also look, if you Google color psychology, I, I wrote a, an ebook on this. Um, you can actually look up what all the colors mean and see if the colors you're using actually mean something that your customers and your clients, your potential clients are going to say, I resonate with that. That makes sense to me in this context. I like your example about the declutter comp company because it sounds like their name was cluttered. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we get the branding all squared away because I have a feeling we could talk for an hour just about logos and colors and all that kind yes. of good stuff. But I'm I'm more intrigued by the plan, five days for a whole year's worth of content. All right, so let's say we've solidified our brand. We really, we know who we are. Everything is aligned. We're in sync. What's day two look like? Day two is where we work on the website. And we actually build um, a website from scratch, My myself and the client um, and their team, if, need, if they need their team in there involved. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes they get my team involved. But we, we basically build a site from scratch. And the reason we start from the ground up is because a lot of sites are cluttered. They're over um, indulged with information. There's just too much on there. Um, and so we start from nothing so that we have that clean slate and we can start adding the right pieces back in rather than starting with everything that's there and trying to weed through all of it. Um, and once we do that, we're really taking, going back to that brand and saying, let's make sure all the colors are correct. Let's sure make sure all the fonts are correct. Let's make sure our message is actually being seen in the stuff we're writing on the website, whether it's paragraphs of text, whether it's videos um, or images, we want that message to come through really loud and clear when we create that content for the website. So we spend an entire day, um, just like we spent the eight hour day on the branding, we spend an eight hour day on the website and we rewrite things if necessary. We will sit and, um, you know, I encourage people to do this on their own as well. Um, we do a usability test, which is where we have someone who doesn't really understand the website at all. They get to use the website and we tell them we want you to do one thing. And they try and do that one thing and we're not allowed to say anything or do anything or point or grunt or anything while they're doing that because that tells us if the message is actually getting through and is clear. Because if our website is clear and easy to use and the message is clear, that person will be able to do the one thing we ask them to do really quickly, whether it's book a call, um, view a gallery, sign up for their email list, whatever the main goal of that website is, that person who we p randomly pick and have do the test should be able to do that really quickly. So when we rebuild that website or we build a new website, we start from scratch, we really make sure that that message is coming through from the branding into the website all the colors and fonts are good. 
And then the website is pretty much finished. You don't have to have a lot of bells and whistles for a website to be super effective. Well, you say you're looking for all the right pieces. I mean, websites, are, are you looking at website as a an online brochure? Or are you looking to have something more happen on a website? Well, your website could be anything from an e-commerce site, which is really interactive, where I can purchase items. Or it could be something where you list your services, you list your pricing, and then the person can book a call with you. That's still an interactive website. Um, or you can have them sign up for an email list, or you can have them, you know, join a community or join a membership. So any type of thing like that, we want to add to the website if it makes sense for the business. Some businesses, all they need is here's who we are, what we do, and here's a link so that you can contact us and book a call with us. I believe in booking calls. I don't believe in just having a contact form and you're good to go. I believe that if you have a book a call button, people are really much more likely to actually have a conversation with you. And as a business owner, excuse me, or as someone who's in sales, that's so much more beneficial than just having someone fill in a form and send you an email Uh, because you get to actually, you know, converse with that person, interact with them, but also it's on a timetable that they have chosen. So you're not interrupting them in something, you're not intruding on them, and you're also not following up with them too early or too late. You're following up with them exactly when they asked you to. So um, even if you have a brochure website, adding a book a call button can really make it that much more interactive and get you that many more sales. That makes a lot of sense. That's a good idea about the book a call button. I'm curious what your thoughts are about blogs on websites and the SEO component that talks about a lot of interactive type media, videos, and a lot of written content. Because it's one thing to have a website, but if nobody can find it because the SEO value is off the charts in a bad way, then it can be beautiful. The fonts can all match and your branding is all there, but it's not really going to do a whole lot for you. So when when I build a website, I actually believe in doing onboard SEO. And what that means is that when we're writing the content for the site, the who you are, the what you do, um, even the, the SAQ page, for example, those all have need to have good content on them so that the SEO can actually be picked up by Google. And what we're going to do is use words that people are actually already searching for. And there's actually some really great tools out there um, that you can use to find out what people are searching. And then you write your content and your copy on your website, just the regular old copy, the about page, the, the how, who we are, what we do pages, the FAQs. You write those words into those pages. A lot of times people think SEO is this mythical creature that someone has to divinely create inside their website. But really, you can do it as what I call a regular person like me. (laughs) You can be a regular person and do SEO even if you don't really know much about it because all you need to do is make sure that Google knows what you do in a very clear format. If you're a website designer, you just say, I'm a website designer and this is what I offer. Don't make your words all fancy and add all these fancy things like, you know, my first website package is called the apartment and my second one is called the mansion. And, you know, you don't need all that fancy stuff. People just need to know it's a website design package and here's the information about it. And that's going to be better for Google. When it comes to blogging, that's actually day four for us. Um, But we can kind of, we'll skip over to that real quick. Um, So blogging is really important to me for SEO because it gives you more explanation on those things we've already put on the website. 
So if we talk about blogging, maybe, or we talk about websites as a website designer, maybe we want to talk about how do you get a domain? What is a domain? Where do you register a domain? Do you have to host a domain or do you, can, you, can you just register it? How many domains can you have on a website? So there's all these little questions about just about domains I just mentioned there that a web designer might be able to help explain to their clients and customers that someone might be searching for because they're stuck, they're trying to create their website, they're frustrated, and they just search, what the heck is a domain? And that's the title of your blog post. And now they're reading your blog and now they're realizing, wow, this web designer really knows their stuff. Maybe I should work with them. What else do they have that I can consume from the website or their social, et cetera? So that's the kind of stuff we do with the, web, with the website and the blog together because they're all one piece. But on day four, um, I work with my clients and we actually create, four, we create 12 months of blog posts. It's 12 blog posts in one day. We create all the graphics. We do all of the catchy titles and all that stuff. But we do the research and then the blog posts come really easy because a lot of times you as the business owner, you already know the stuff in your head. It's just about coming up with that great title, which is usually from an internet search that already exists that a lot of people are searching for, like what the heck is a domain? <laughs> and then we create that blog around it and basically just simply explain something the way that you would is, is if you were talking to a friend. So I know we're still on day four and I don't want to skip day three, but just to finish up with day four. <laughs> so you're suggesting yeah. on that day, you create 12 blog posts. So one per month that goes out there, yeah. one per month? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's go back to day three. I'm going to take a step backwards. After the website, we have day one is branding. Day two is the website. Day three is fill in the blank. Social media. Social media. Okay. Social yeah. media. And what happens with social media on day three? Well, we create 365 social media posts in one day. So again, one a day. One a day. What happens with social media is we get really fired up, we get excited, and we post and we post and we post and we post, and then we stop because we're busy, we're tired, we're dealing with family stuff, we're, maybe we get sick, whatever the reason is, we just stop. And then it's hard to get back into that rhythm. And then sometimes... We go and we go and we go and we post and we post. And then we say, I don't even know what to post today. I don't know what to say. I've run out of things to talk about. So what we do is we actually find all those things that you're going to talk about all the time. So for people who are, I'll use the web designer example again, for people who are in the web design business, we're always going to talk about hosting. Who's the best? Why do we use it? Um, how does it affect your site? We're always going to talk about branding. What do you need as far as a brand? If you're going to hire someone to do your brand, what should you ask them and what should they be giving you? All these things are not going out of style. They're not going out of fashion. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. They're going to be the same pretty much forever. So we can rely on those things in any business, in any industry, that there's always going to be that stuff that we can talk about that we're still going to tell clients no matter what is happening. And that's the stuff we create into our posts. And a lot of people are afraid to repeat stuff I'm not. I definitely love using repeatable posts because people are new coming into your social media all the time. And if I see something six weeks ago from you, I'm not going to remember that you posted the same thing six weeks ago. Chances are with Facebook's algorithm, I didn't even see it. So it's a good thing. It keeps you um, from having to create so many posts. So maybe for, let's say Fridays, you could create six really strong Friday posts and repeat them for every six weeks for 52 weeks 
And it really lessens the stress. It gives you a whole entire 52 posts done. And it really didn't take you that much time. I see. And do you have a preference for a particular social media platform? It really goes back to your brand. (laughs) Um, All the social media platforms have different demographics that they serve. And I also wrote an ebook about this, um, and it's in my community for free, um, that basically tells you which social media platforms are serving which demographics and also how long each person is staying on that social platform. So for some of them, it's much shorter. For some of them, it's more time. And then also how much longevity or how much life out of each post do you get for each platform? For example, Twitter is the shortest with two, it's 21 minutes that your post lives on Twitter in the feeds. But Pinterest is the longest with three and a half months in the feeds. So you have to look at the demographics though. Pinterest might sound like a great idea, but if it's not where your demographic is, you may need to actually look at something like Twitter or something else to actually get to the right people. Because if you're posting on something and you're not sharing it with the right people, nothing is going to happen. And that's where people really get frustrated with social media. Absolutely. It can be very frustrating. All right. So day one, branding. Day two, website. Day three, social media. Day four, blogging. And day five. We create 12 months of email marketing campaigns and funnels. So funnels are not my favorite because everybody does them, but I think everybody does them kind of in a a wrong way. (laughs) They take too much time and they spend too much time on them. And really, they're really, really simple. So you can come up with a funnel really easily by saying, okay, I have 10 tips on this one topic. And I really love sharing these 10 tips with pretty much everybody I meet. Um, And all of my clients really loved these 10 tips, and it really gave them a step forward and a direction to go when they were searching for this kind of information. So if you can come up with something like that, maybe it's seven things or five things or whatever the number is for you, and really solidify it into what you teach and what you practice and what you sell anyway. So it has to go with what you're doing. It can't be, oh, these are my cooking tips, and, you know, I'm uh, a yoga teacher or whatever. It's like kind of a little bit random, right? It's not too, too exactly together. But maybe you have some stretching techniques and you're a yoga teacher. That would be perfect. Teach me some stretching techniques. Now you're going to take those five or ten stretching techniques and you're going to spread them out, one per email, and you're going to encourage people to use them. And then you're going to post them into your email marketing system once a week for five weeks. And when someone signs up, they get this welcome sequence, this funnel, and it allows them to get the sequence of techniques, um, but then they also have these calls to action every email. Sign up for this. Join our community. Um, Have you thought about doing a private lesson? We do virtual sessions. You know, whatever that is you want them to do eventually, you kind of lead them and guide them towards that in your funnel. Um, But it doesn't have to be something long and elaborate. And you will see a lot more traction out of that than any other major funnel system with landing pages and all these crazy things. And then the other emails that you would send in email marketing are templates. You just create some templates for things when they come up. So maybe you do events occasionally and you want to create a template for that so that next time you have an event, you have the template ready to go. You just plug and play your information, change out your picture, change out your title, change out your date and time, and send it. So it makes it really easy so that next time you have something that comes up, you don't have to fumble around and try to figure out how to design an email. It's already done for you. And that's what we do on day five. Wow. Five fun-packed, fun-filled days, and you got a year's worth of marketing. Now, I'm sure there's some people listening who already have a website, 
who think their branding is pretty together. What advice do you have for them? I would say get someone to audit it anyway. I was working with a CPA. They've been in business for over 20 years. And they have a team, a huge team of people. They had someone working on their website who'd been helping them for years. And they came to me and they came to one of my classes and I said, I'll do an audit of your website and I'll talk to you about your brand. And I did an audit for them. And two months later, they came back to me and said, that audit was so thorough and you told us things we never even realized before because we've had this website for almost 10 years and we haven't really ever done anything except add to it. They just kept adding and adding and adding. And they said, we want to work with you. And so getting someone else to look at your site who, like I said, that usability test idea, someone who doesn't understand it, they don't know what's on there, they've never really seen a lot of it before, get someone with fresh eyes to look at it and and your brand as well and give you feedback. And it's up to you whether you trust that person or whether you decide to take their advice or not but at least get the feedback because sometimes we go forward and our clients don't really tell us these things because they're usually like us and they, they don't really care about the other pieces, but it could be hindering us from getting new clients who do care about those things, who don't know us very well. And they're not coming to us for us yet. They're coming to us because they know that we're a certain type of company or that we do certain type of services. So it's definitely something that can be an image thing. And if you get that person with a fresh set of eyes to look at it, um, it will really give you a lot of insights. Whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter, but at least get the insights so that you can make some decisions based on that. Sounds fair. Now, do you have any favorite tools that you like to use in whether it's the marketing funnel or any of the other things that you've talked about here? I do. And I, I put together a pro toolkit of everything that I use. I like to keep my tools at a minimum. I don't like to have extemporaneous tools that I don't really need because it's fun to acquire the tools, but then you don't always use them all. And then they just suck money out of your account every month. So I use a lot of free tools as well, but I have a free pro toolkit that I list all my tools um, and why I use them and how I use them. And that's in my membership community. But the one of the free ones that I love to use is Canva. And I use that for all my social media graphics. It makes it really quick and easy to create them. Um, and I recommend that all of my clients sign up for a free account with Canva because it just makes it so quick and easy to create all of your images and graphics for your blogs and for your social media. Good tip. What do you think are the biggest speed bumps that hold entrepreneurs or small business owners back from being more forward thinking about their marketing content? One of the biggest things I see is overwhelm and money. So a lot of times they'll get a quote from someone, they'll really like them, and they'll think it's too much money. Or they'll get a quote, which has happened to me a couple of times from, from my clients. They'll get a quote from me, they'll tell someone else about it, and someone else will tell them it's too much money. And then they'll think, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, and then they'll just be overwhelmed because they don't know what direction to go next. They'll think, I've got to do social. I've got to do my website. I don't know if my emails are going out very well, or I don't know if you know, my blogs are any good, or yeah, maybe you're not even blogging yet. I don't even know how to start a blog. And so they have all these questions, and they're almost afraid to ask because it seems like everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is going forward. Everyone else seems to understand it except them. And really, that's a lot of people. And so I say, you know, don't frustrate yourself. Don't sit there in frustration. Just ask. I mean, I'm here. There's a lot of my colleagues and, and peers who are really willing and ready to say, 
yeah, that's not the right direction to go, or here's a really simple way to get started. And I'm happy to provide that information because it gives you that starting point. And if you can take it, run with it, go for it. But if you need extra help along the way, you know, then we're here too. So um, I would say just don't let the overwhelm get to you and actually just ask the questions you need to ask and get some answers from people. Um, and then don't let the money scare you because, you know, your business is an investment and you always need to be investing in it. And if you do it the right way, it'll bring you the best of returns. Well, we all want a good return on our investment and our businesses are important. And to help us make sure we do get a good return on our investment, what would be some questions that someone should be asking a content marketing expert to sort of vet them? Because it's not their area of expertise. Otherwise, they'd be doing it, right? And so it's really easy to be taken in by somebody. I'm not trying to throw any aspersion on you. Please don't take it that way. But there are people out there who claim to be experts in all of this, Mm -hmm. and they're really not. They may be good at some of it, but not all of it. And what questions should we be asking? How do we know? Well, you can always ask for references. Um, I put all of my clients on my website. I provide everything someone would need to know on my website. If they have additional questions, obviously I'll try and answer them. But I try to make sure that everything you would need is there. And so some of those answers would be testimonial videos of other clients saying the words for me. So I don't need to tell you how great I am. I would rather have you watch the five or 10 or 15 or at this point, 35 or 40 videos on my website that are a minute or two long where another client from another industry is saying, hey, I worked with Elizabeth and this is what I got out of it. Because that is more important than me saying, hey, you should work with me and this is what you're going to get out of it. Um, Because like you said, you don't know me. And even if you don't know those people, they're real people. And so when I look for, you know, people who I'm going to be working with, whether I'm hiring someone that I'm not, you know, familiar of their their expertise or not, um, you know, I'm not an accountant, right? I want to see who else have you worked with and what did they say about you in an honest way. And sometimes I'll even call those other companies and say, hey, I saw you worked with so-and-so. How did that go? How did that, how did that work out? Because, you know, that's my due diligence to actually to make those calls and to make those inquiries. Um, The other thing is, what does their marketing look like? A lot of times we are the last ones to have our marketing done because we're working for everyone else. But those who take time and actually make their brands really strong and make their websites really strong. I mean, I've had clients tell me, you know, your website has a typo in it. And I'm like, oh, dang, I'll fix it right away. I'm sorry. Because it's those things you overlook, right? But as long as they're looking at my site going, I saw your site, I saw your marketing, and it's just awesome. I really need to work with you. That's the kind of thing you want to see from another from a marketer. You want to see that their site and their information and their marketing is just as important to them as yours would be. So if they're taking care of themselves, that means that they're going to also take care of you. And so a lot of times you'll see sites and stuff that don't really look that great or that aren't really put up that well, or maybe they don't even have any marketing going out on their Facebook page or whatever. And you'll say, you don't have, you don't have any posts since like two years ago. Oh, yeah, we've just been too busy. That's not a good sign because <laughs> you want them to also be able to thrive and grow. And so that, you know, you don't want them to have too many clients or not enough clients because then you'll be kind of stuck in the middle there. So um, making sure that they're taking care of their own stuff is really important for me to, when I look at things like that. All good suggestions. And we've got a roadmap for five days for a year's worth of marketing content. 
Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you can go to our website at businessconfidentialradio.com. It's got a lot of other powerful information and resources available to help your business grow. So be sure to check that out. The website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. I'm Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and you've been listening to Business Confidential Now. Have a great rest of the day and an even better tomorrow.